Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Emil, and you're listening to another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night, episode 29 with Mr. Kevin Bose from Buko Studios. <sighs> Second to the last interview I have from the Global Game Jam. It's actually been quite some time since the Global Game Jam itself, but I've been having a ton of fun kind of reliving the experience working on these episodes. On the other hand though, I'm really looking forward to getting out there and recording more episodes with even more cool people. I'm currently recording this at like 3 a.m. and I have another guest lined up to talk to later in the day, so I'm totally pumped to get back to running around bothering people with my microphone and questions. Okay, so as far as laptop troubles and gaming go this week for me, I haven't been able to do much with, you know, the former affecting the latter quite a lot. Mostly I've been looking forward to that Hearthstone announcement coming up soon as far as gaming goes. I've also been having a blast selecting more music to end the podcast with. I think I'll make that a regular thing, ending the episodes with music I find, just like I did last week. And I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I recently started watching Naruto. I know, I know, what the fuck, right? Why Naruto? Why now? I don't know. I just never really picked it up ever. I've always been very averse to long-running animated. I have absolutely no hope catching up with. The only long-running one I ever really got into was One Piece. But anyways, I've been marathoning Naruto and it's been really interesting coming from someone who knows nothing about Naruto. I'm on like episode 100 something already and one of the really interesting things watching this in 2016 is seeing the evolution of the medium, you know? In comparison to the current binge culture, the amount of recap in each episode is kind of pure insanity. For some episodes, like half the episode is from the previous episode. Episode. It's super nuts, but really interesting studying how formats have changed over the years. Okay, I'm gonna stop being a colossal nerd about the format and shit, but all in all, I'm enjoying myself tons. Years of not knowing what the hell a Sharingan is is finally being rectified as we speak. Oh god, I actually know some of the hand signs now. Anyways, let's get to talking about this week's episode, yeah? <laughs> This week, we get to talking to Mr. Kevin Bose, the development director and one of the founders of Buko Studios. Just like Mars from last week, Kevin is one of the people I got to have a proper sit-down with at Game Jam. With the Game Jam coming to a close around us while we have our conversation, we get to talking about gaming, game dev, and even his thoughts about art and the mindset when it comes to developing a game studio. Really enjoyed my talk with Kevin, got some pretty great insight which I can't wait to share with all of you listening right now. If you enjoy stuff like this, I'll be bringing you conversations about life and video games every week, so don't forget to subscribe if you can. But anyways, let's get down to this week's episode, yeah? Here's Emil in the Morning at Night, episode 29, with Mr. Kevin Bose. And perfect. Okay, so I have turned on the mic. The mic is primed and shit. Um, could you just uh, speak for me, just as a test of your levels? Yeah, sure. Uh, how's this? Okay, we're gonna need to bring that a little closer to you, or I maybe. Could, oh yeah, I could not slouch so much. <laughs> okay, perfect. Welcome to another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night, where I talk to interesting people over a cup of coffee at night. And tonight, joining us today is Mr. Kevin Bose. Am I saying that's that right. right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, perfect. Because I've been getting last names wrong all fucking day. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think the first one was Carlos. What did we say first? Lycidine. The, the right pronunciation was Lycodine, right? Yeah. But like we were saying like Lycidine, Lycodine, like it was crazy. Yeah. So I'm glad I got your yeah, oh, perfect. last name correctly. Okay, so for tonight we have Mr. Kevin Bose. You are a digital artist by trade. Yeah, that's right. And you have been in the games industry since like your college days and you run an indie studio called Buko Studios, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so for our listeners out there, introduce yourself. Like who is Kevin? Okay, well, well, I mean, you summed it up, basically. You know? <laughs> that is my sickness. You know, I've worked in games all my life. It's kind of like uh, my career path, if you like. I don't imagine doing anything else. I'm still interested to see where the industry goes as a whole, you know, in the next decade. It's a very fast-moving industry, so it's exciting. I was always drawn into something creative, and I've always been quite good at arts in school, so that's kind of that drove, you know, directed my career path. Just to get our listeners up to speed, we are still here at the Global Game Jam, day three, 2016 here at Ateneo de Manila, and I'm also joined by my co-host, Aris. Hey, say hi. Guys. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Saying hi is good. <laughs> okay, because like a while ago when I pointed you, you didn't say nothing. <laughs> okay, so we're here at the Global Game Jam. You're here with us, with all these gamers, with all these developers. Like, how have you found the Global Game Jam so far? I think it's cool. I mean, I suppose it is quite a young audience, perhaps, you know, a lot of college students here and a few sort of at the early stages of their professional career. Yeah, I hear like around 80% are mostly students right I mean I think things like these are perfect for you know a younger crowd you know they come along and they're a bit less jaded on the industry and they're oh, excited, yeah. excited to get stuck in and you know have fun with friends I guess I mean from the younger like younger participants I was hearing very lofty ideas when I was mm. doing interviews on the first day on the floor and they were like having these like really grandiose ideas yeah. of what they can accomplish but like actually coming from a person who's been like in the industry since his college days what do you think about those types of ideas is that even possible within 48 hours. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's nice, you know, to approach it in that way. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, there's times to be serious and there's times to think about what you can realistically do. But, you know, if you're just having fun, why not, you know, have those grandiose ideas. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, like, as an event, the Global Game Jam, I mean, this is the first Game Jam I have ever attended. I mean, like, before, back with my friends. I mean, I love gaming so much and I love games. So we would try to do a Game Jam every once in a while, but we'd never end up accomplishing anything, mm -hmm. honestly. We'd, like, set out an idea, people would start working on art assets, but then the rest of the team would just play video games the rest of the day. <laughs> so we never really got anything done. But with like a more formal setting like this, I think the goal is more of like, as a community, come together and come up with new ideas. Like for you, what is the purpose of events like these? Hmm, that's, a, that's a good one. For me, I think it's more about having fun. I, you know, mm, I don't think mm. anybody's going to really like uh, really innovate in some way that you know leads to some exceptional. I like, think of it like finding a cure for cancer. Or oh something. yeah, no, nobody's going <laughs> to find a cure for cancer today, or even, <laughs> even unlikely throughout the world. But I think having fun is important, you know, and just getting inspired by working in teams. I think that's mm -hmm. cool. Just being around other people that love the medium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. So we're here day three. They have what, like two hours three hours left yeah yeah almost, oh, it's man. almost deadline yeah, yeah it's almost deadline I mean like I can hardly talk to anyone I'd really love to get an interview with them but like I just don't want to bother them they seem so focused you know yeah I mean I think I think there's a bit of pressure at this stage <laughs> yeah yeah for you know, sure. people want to have something that they can show off and be proud of if any of them are struggling to have something that they can release or show off they're gonna be feeling the heat right now okay Definitely. so we've been talking about the global game jam all day I mean like probably the past three episodes we've been mm -hmm. going through our journey here at the global game Game Jam 2016 here at Ateneo de Manila. But I'd like to get to know you more as a person. Like you mentioned earlier to me, like off mic that, well actually I mentioned it on mic that you've been into games like since your college days. So what inspired you to be part of this industry? Like was there like an actual 
pivotal moment where you decided, no, it's games? Well, I suppose, um, so when you go back, when you go back, say, 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. you know, when games were really taking off, when I was first getting, even playing the first games, they weren't even that big business back then. Yeah. You know, they were, it was a cottage industry. You had guys making games in their attics or whatever, and there were no big publishers at that stage. So over the span of 10 years or whatever, it became huge, hugely successful commercial businesses. Insanely. And when I first started, I wanted to be in the graphics and art and something creative. I actually wanted to get into movies. Movies, but, huh? But at the time, the way that you go around doing that is you become like a runner at a warehouse, you know, making movies. And ah, all right. It was just easier to get into games at the time. Ah, all right. So it was a, like more of a matter of what was more accessible, yeah? Yeah. I mean, there were no university courses back then for games or anything like that. It yeah, was, actually. It was something, you know, if you were going to school to do something creative, you do graphic design or you do product design. So it just so happened that the industry was in a phase wherein it would be better for you to start there. I mean, because like the movie industry, it was actually already very established. Yeah, sure. And like, of course, you'd start as a gopher. So you just like fetch things here and exactly. there. Exactly. Uh -huh, yeah. uh -huh. And you'd hope one day somebody noticed your little drawings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So I was going through your profile and stuff and you said things to talk about. You're British. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as being something quite unique in the Philippines, I suppose. I yeah, I, I guess. I don't know how many... You know, do you interview international guys very often? Or? Not very often. Like, I try to stay local, but like, um, I'm not sure if this is a weird question, but like, what brings you here? Were you born like... Yeah, I'm, yeah? I'm English through and through. Yeah, no, okay. I, my story for coming over here is that the studio that I worked for in the UK had a satellite studio over here. Ah, so they had, right. a, they had an established team of Filipinos doing work for them. And they sent me out as um, some person to come over here and help train the guys and look at the work that they were doing and try and a bit of kind of take taking some of our experience from the UK and bringing it over here to increase the level of productivity over here. Ah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, like in line with that all, how is like the community over there and over here in comparison? Like what's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference? Uh -huh. Well, they, I suppose they were, um, they were looking to instill some of the culture of the UK okay. into the game studio over here. So, you know, there, there are certain things that feel a little different, like you've got so much um, sort of background experience in the UK. People know what they're doing on a day to day because it's like how things have been done for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very established basically. Exactly, exactly. So when you come over here and you kind of come across people that don't have that established and the frameworks in place, they, they're a little bit unsure of themselves. Ah, all right. So I suppose part of what my previous studio sent me over here to do was to give people a bit more of a, a kind of a Structure? okay, this is how it's, this ah. is how you would do it or this is what to do in situations you've not encountered before. So basically giving them an idea of how the industry does it in general. Yeah. So like as a person, coming from you, like how's your experience been so far? How different is the feeling when it comes to being here? Is it like more Wild West? I, I mean, since you said like nothing is too established yet. I suppose it wasn't too crazy. This was the furthest east I'd been in my life, but I'm fairly, oh, really? fairly well traveled anyway. But it wasn't crazy coming here. You know, everybody's using the same software, the same technology, people uh -huh. are aware of the same things. I think that the structure in the studio was a lot less tiered. So, you know, if you said to somebody, well, who's the most experienced in this? aspect everybody would look around yeah, like looking scratch their heads yeah yeah, yeah exactly oh. so I think that was one of the differences is that if you said you know it's almost like you have to get a show of hands it's like okay who who is the best at this and they all look around uh, nobody who, who is the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> even they don't know basically yeah. actually like having started this podcast I mean just like we started like back in August and like actually this industry is also very new to me as a person like I hardly know anything about
thinking about it. My interactions like are limited to my interviews and things like that. And like I was very pleasantly surprised to have been invited to this event actually. So relating that with your experience, how long have you like been interacting with the games industry here? Here in the Philippines. Yeah, here in the Philippines. So there's obviously the IGDA, which has seemed to have evolved over the last five years. Okay. And I knew a couple of the guys that were running that maybe five years ago. And you know, so I think it's growing. I think it's it's grown from fairly small group. You know, the growth is quite rapid. Okay, so we've been talking about the Global Game Jam, we've been talking about the IGDA, and we've been talking about your experiences here in the games industry here in the Philippines. But like I'd like to reel it back a bit more. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said that you were into the games industry since your college days. But have you always been into games? Has it always been a thing for you in your life? Like when you were a kid, did you grow up with video games and stuff like this? Yeah, for sure. You know, as a as a kid, I was good at video games. Like among my friends, it was something that I seemed to be a good player, if you like. You know, and, and I think you're drawn to things that you're good at as well. So, you know, I used to be the one they would hand the controller to if they wanted the level completed. Oh, uh, yeah. That kind of thing. I know that feeling. That's a good feeling. What kind of games did you guys I mean, this was back on the on the early the early consoles, you know, like the Nintendo family computer, uh, the, the original, yes, the yeah, original kind of Mega Drive, Neo Geo, that uh, kind of yes, thing. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, so, like, what was your big game? What was the thing you were, like, super into? <laughs> uh, super into. I mean, I didn't really get super into any one game until probably the original Quake. I enjoyed that a lot. Oh man, yeah. And then later in my college days, I got really heavily into StarCraft 2. StarCraft 2? Yes, yeah. Oh wow. I actually haven't touched StarCraft 2 yet. I really should. Pretty good. Yeah? So StarCraft 2, huh? That's a very competitive game. Did you get into it just for the story or actually competitively? Yeah, for sure, competitively, yeah. I much preferred the online competition than anything else, really. Huh, okay. That's really, you know, it was when the idea of esports was, you know, not even in the picture, but, you know, obviously StarCraft 2 was the one that... that uh... It was the giant catalyst, Yeah, exactly. Really. I mean, uh, originally, you mentioned that you got into Quake and stuff like that, and I remember, like, way back in the day, like, on TV, I'd find these actual televised Quake matches, uh, and, like, they would be running on this U-shaped map, and it was, like... Like, yeah, I forgot the name of the show, but like the name of the show it was too. pretty amazing. And I was like, games on TV? Yeah. What a novel idea! Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, you're just there playing capture the flag and, and like at the, jumps. at the time I wasn't even that into Quake, but like seeing it on TV, something I loved on public television was just like mind blowing to me. Yeah. And then when I got introduced to StarCraft and I heard that people hold tournaments in Korea for this, yeah. I was just like. Like, how was your reaction to the like the explosion of the esports thing? I was, I suppose, happy about it in terms of you know, like some of the earliest televised game stuff. It was like super geek culture back then. In the the idea of a game being televised, it was going to be on some random channel that nobody heard of. Yeah, you know, I had to go at, well into the eighties. Two o'clock in the morning, and <laughs> and I think it is still that in a lot of the Western world. But then obviously now you've got this stuff going on in Korea, which is just crazy. You know, they're like superstars, aren't they? Some of these. Yeah, games. they are. They have like fans girls, they have yeah. fan clubs, they have training barracks, they have sponsors, yeah. they have visas. Nuts. They have visas. <laughs> That's that, that, that was like a controversial development for a while, that they would get sports visas. Yeah. And I, mean, I like that. I like the idea that it's grown that way. You know, it's almost like the guys that are into games, they got their voices heard and they were, there were enough of them to make it worth investing in. So mm -hmm. I think it's cool. I think it deserves to be seen as a proper sport, you know, in the world. Yeah, yeah. me too. I it's mean, It's about like, time that they are considered as athletes. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts that like some people actually argue the whole 
whole thing that oh it's not a sport they're not doing workouts they're not doing any physical activity they're in front of a keyboard and a mouse yeah. and like that's you, not the sports I know <laughs> and like you get those types of arguments but like I just find that to be like baffling because like Starcraft let's say Starcraft that takes actual physical work in order to be masterful it takes muscle memory it takes reaction speed there, there was you that guys have any idea how much brain power it takes to <laughs> I mean micromanagement the actions per minute yeah, and shit yeah, like that I mean yeah. like when it comes to that kind of stuff there's even research that says like oh um the peak of a Starcraft player's career is at 21 anything past that your action speed starts to lower <laughs> and I'm just like what oh my god and like they've gotten this to a science yeah they've, they've gotten this to a science and it baffles me that some people are still denouncing it as an actual sport did you hear about that one thing where like ESPN they were like actually dedicating more airtime for esports like ESPN is expressing some very very high interest in esports mm -hmm. and like there are still a lot of people who are like get that video game off my ESPN mm -hmm. what do you think about that kind of opinion I think it just depends who you talk to you know you shouldn't try and compare those kind of mental games to physical competition yeah yeah like, I don't think they compare apples to oranges basically yeah well I don't actually. think they should be they're, they're still sports but they're very different you mm -hmm. know you're not gonna get some guy that spends a lot of time in the gym they're not gonna talk in the same way to some guy that spends a lot of time at a keyboard I mean, it's nuts. I mean, like, we have stuff like chess competitions. No one complained. Yeah, but I'm sure that there are some gamers that would, you know, say the same things to, you know, like, if you've got Counter-Strike players, they're not really going to get along with chess players. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, the Counter-Strike players probably won't get along with the mobile players even, even though they're video games. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Okay, so we've talked a lot so far, and we will be back here on Emil in the Morning at Night with Mr. Kevin Bowes after a few messages. Really enjoying our talk with you so far, so we'll be back after a few messages. Be right back. You're listening to Emil in the Morning at Night. Honestly, I don't have much to say here just yet, but if you have any ideas or if you would like me to talk about your stuff in this section, send us an email over at emilinthemorning at gmail.com. Now, I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far, so let's get right back to it. Welcome back to Emil in the Morning at Night. We're here with Mr. Kevin Bose once more. We've been like talking over here at the Global Game Jam 2016 here in Ateneo de Manila. I do not know how many times I've said that today. <laughs> Anyways, like so far, how has this been, Kevin? Like, how has this experience been? Like being interviewed here in the little corner here at the Game Jam. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's nice to it's nice to be here. <laughs> okay, so we've talked already a lot about the industry. We've talked about the game jams. We've talked about the stuff you're into. We've even like I don't even know why we were talking about a while ago but we started talking about esports <laughs> kind of nuts okay but like I'd like to get back to you so we've talked about your college days we've talked about your youth but like how about now during your like free time what do you do Right, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of an extension. I'm absolutely passionate about this industry. So my free time is split between what I would consider family time okay. and what I consider to be my passion, which is games and graphics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got some other hobbies that I do, things like sports and stuff. But generally, if I'm not sort of on a vacation dedicated to a sport, I'll be at home. If I've got free time, I will draw and paint on my computer or I'll make games. This is the way I live my life. That's actually like a topic we struggle with all the time on this show like I mean we're always talking about juggling our personal lives with our, with professional, our professional lives I mean like now that we're adults and shit like that we're not like in high school anymore we don't have all the time in the world and like we love these things so much we love video games we love gaming we love art but it's just so hard to find time for them I mean 
You know, something I want to bring up, like before, I'd be really into those games that like take forever. For example, like, uh, what's a good game that takes forever? Like Skyrim. You can lose yourself there for like days on end. But like, I find that I don't have time for that these days. Like, what type of games are you into these days? I mean, I've, I've played the Skyrim and I've played Fallout, but I think <laughs> I think what's, um, I think what, what you have to, whenever you speak to an artist who's passionate or wants to be good at doing art, they really have to discipline themselves not to spend too much time in games. That's probably quite a common trend you'll find that in order to be a good artist, it takes up so much of your free time and dedication mm -hmm. to do that. So while I do love playing the latest game when it comes out, I try to explore as much of the content as I can in a short space of time. Mm -hmm. So rather than rather than allowing myself to spend a year playing a game, I will you know have a blast at it for a week mm -hmm. and then it'll get put on the shelf and I won't play it again. I've yeah. been finding myself in a similar position lately. I mean like I want to enjoy a lot of these bigger AAA titles, but you know like, I tell this story all the time on the podcast, but like, I run a video game podcast, but I don't even have any of the latest consoles, which is kind of nuts. Like, I don't have a PS4, I don't have a PS3, I don't have an Xbox One, I don't have an Xbox 3. My last console was like a PS1. I, PS2, PS2. Yeah. It's just so weird to me, because like, I love video games so much, but I'm not consuming the latest product. What's your take on that? In order to be like a fan of the medium, in order to be like somebody who loves video games, do you have to consistently consume the newest product? No, I, I don't think you do. Well, consumption to a degree. I mean, like, like, for instance, uh, you know, it's always an exciting time when E3 is coming up. Yeah. Because you get all the showcase videos. Yeah, totally. You're seeing the latest technology in a small two-minute video clip, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I love those. And I love consuming the media and being part of the media in that way. Yeah. Without having to go out and buy their game and play through it for 60 hours. You know, like, that ties into the whole thing I've kind of fallen into. Because, like, now that I don't have time for games, there comes the Let's Plays. Is that, like affecting your life in any way I mean like instead of me experiencing the game myself I'm quite okay with watching someone else play it it's not something that I do I, I recognize it as an important part of the industry and it's obviously growing a lot it's these let's plays it's mm -hmm. not something that I personally do just because you know I don't really want to enjoy the content through the eyes of somebody else each experience is unique yeah I, I think it's a personal thing I think for me I'd much rather make up my own yeah, my own ideas. Your own personal yeah, idea, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, perfect. I think we've talked about games so, so fucking much. much. So, like, I want to get back to another topic important to you, though. Art. By trade, you are a digital artist. Has games affected your art in any way? I think what games has brought to my art is related to the technology and, and also, so when you do art for games, you're always working within limitations, mm -hmm. right? The limitations of the consoles or the limitations that your game design is giving you. So I think that influences my art in that respect. I tend to treat my art like I'm making it for a, a product or, a, mm -hmm. you know, or with some purpose in mind. I think that's different to what I perceive many artists do, which is that they, they don't really have, you know, they, they explore things more openly without restraint. Yeah, because like when it comes to the games industry, you are a cog in the machine, basically, mm. in the production of the video game. But with more traditional artists, I guess, they just start from scratch? Well, I, I don't know, but for me, I suppose I consider myself a designer. Ah, all you right. Know, so I treat my art with design in mind. So I set myself a brief. It's sort of like for meets function kind of thing. To a I mean, I suppose I'm trying to solve something whenever I create 
You know what? Like we just met here at the Global Game Jam, so I actually haven't, haven't seen the art. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't, haven't seen any too. of your work. I'm sure I'm going to check that out later. But speaking of, before the Global Game Jam started, I was actually here while you guys were setting up and everything. Am I mistaken to think that you gave a talk, right? Yeah, I showed I showed uh, some examples of Game Jam art, you know, prior to the jam, and some examples of other people's art as well. That presentation was created only a few days before the event, so you know I didn't have time to put together a massive uh, presentation <laughs> of my own stuff. Quite common for artists to talk about other people's artwork. Oh, well, I guess it's kind of weird to talk about yourself, right? Well, it just depends. I mean, games are so varied. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a limit to how much you can show on any one topic. Okay, so we've talked about art so far. We've talked about the things you do on your off time. We've talked about esports. That was weird. We've talked about the Global Game Jam. But I would like to get back to Buko Studios. We mentioned a while ago that uh, you run Buko Studios. I don't think I mentioned that you run it together with your wife. Yeah, right. Your wife, Cherry, who is also part of the IGDA here. Yeah, all right. She's been on the board for the IGDA for this year. Yeah, for the first year. Oh, man. Like, that to me sounds like a dream. Like, just running your own studio with your wife. How was that for you? How has this experience been so far? Uh, well, I think... Hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, you know. It's yeah? um, setting up a studio is a huge undertaking for anybody, and it comes with a lot of stresses and strains. And you know, it's surviving in the modern world. I guess it's difficult. I mean, like for our listeners out there, I'm sure like there are some people out there who love video games as much as we do, and like they might be just starting out. They might just be like getting their feet wet in the industry. Like to someone just starting out and like is actually aiming to like start their own thing, maybe start their own art, start their own studio. What would your advice be for them so there's this idea that uh, that when you work work is the key uh, is the key word right so uh -huh. if you're gonna get in if you're gonna get into anything you have to know you have to understand whether what you're doing is for fun or whether it's for work okay right? so even though you might think that the games industry is a place of fun you know <laughs> it is still if you're doing it to make money it is a job it's work yeah for right? sure so it's obviously ideal if you're working on something that you enjoy doing as well that's a great thing but it will always be work right mm -hmm. So my advice to somebody would be to appreciate, understand that it's work and that it won't always be fun, but to give themselves allowances for having fun on the side. Ah, okay. That's some very specific advice. I mean, like, usually when we talk to people, they'll say something like, oh, I don't know what to say. There isn't any advice in the world I can give to people wanting to strike out on their own and shit like that. But like, for you, it's very important to make a clear distinction between work and fun. Well, I think it helps to understand the myriad of emotions you're going to go through when you do work. <laughs> There's times that you're going to come across hard challenges, right? Yeah, for sure. And if you're stuck wondering whether this should be fun or whether it should be hard work, you know, ah, you shouldn't right. be confused about that. You should know when it's going to be hard. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. I mean, like, if you sign up for fun and then you're faced with a challenge and then you're like, well, this isn't fun, you would quit right away. Nothing would happen. Yeah, right. Ah, that's nice. That's nice. I think that's something important that, you know, our listeners should take away from this. The clear distinction between work and fun doesn't mean that you're like being unfun on the other side. You just have to have that sort of awareness in order to be able to appraise the current situation. Yeah, I like I like way I like the way you put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, that came all from you, man. I was just repeating what you said, honestly. Okay, so Buko Studios, how has it been for you guys? Like you mentioned already that you guys have been going through some, you know, challenges, some hardships. I mean, you guys are just starting out. A while ago, actually, off mic, your wife passed by and she was like, maybe you guys can talk about um cyber tracks? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, it's a working title for a 
game. It's a classic style shoot 'em up game. So, you know, when you look at some of the very early video games, they were quite often spaceships, side scrolling, blasting things. You know, for me, that's what the classic games of my youth were all about, you know? All right. Shooting aliens or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, when you're conjuring up an image of a video game, the usual thing is Space Invaders. The usual thing is, like, those classic things where you're just shooting aliens. You know, they were the games that the industry was founded on. And for me, I think, rightly so, they were they were very good tests of making games. You know, to produce a game like that required a lot of different skills and a lot of different, um, you know, bringing a lot of things together to make a game. So for us as a new studio, our thing is, is that they made the perfect demo to try a lot of different aspects of making games. All right, so you guys tried different approaches when it came to the production of this? Well, in some respects, we tried different approaches, but in other respects, we were looking at what worked in the past. Uh -huh. You know, we wanted to we wanted to not reinvent the wheel, but we wanted to go through the same processes that the original games were made by. That See, makes a lot of sense. I mean, bring it to the present. Yeah. With, with the new technology, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we like the idea of learning from masters, right? So uh -huh. you, you take something that you thought was great at the time and you, you see how well you can, can capture that greatness. In oh something. man, like this is something like I love talking about. Learning from the past is something very important to me. And like, I think a lot of the time people kind of like, not necessarily that they don't like the idea anymore, it's just that the, the apprenticeship system has fallen by the wayside these days, right. you know? I mean, everyone these days, they're just trying to be like innovative to a fault sometimes, in my opinion. Like you said a while ago, they keep trying to reinvent the wheel. I mean, like that's not what you guys are trying to do, but like everyone else is just like innovate, innovate, innovate. And it's coming to the point where like innovation for innovation's sake, is that something good? Well, I, I think um, it depends what people's goals are. I think that a lot of people get into this. It's like they're searching for something, right? They're making a game and they're, they're seeking fame and fortune. And uh, they want to, yeah. they want to, you know, they want to release something new that's going to make money. For us, that's not what we're trying to do right now. We don't need to do that. We just need to perfect our skills, increase our talent, increase our portfolio. We don't need to release a brand new game that's going to make a load of money right now. That's going to take the world by storm. <laughs> yeah. We want to improve our proficiency of what we do, and then that will come later. Ah. That is a really important note, because whenever you know see companies out there, like games in general, the majority of the time, it's, it's how it's going to be popular, how it's going to be like, hey, everyone loves this, rather than like maybe you should think of mastering your craft first there's this corporate yeah. mentality of okay the kids love this today exactly let's make this yeah right mm -hmm. yeah i mean that to me like i do not understand that mentality of doll like trying to capture lightning in the bottle that's kind of nuts <laughs> i mean like you're never going to be able to recreate the exact circumstances that made tetris the insanity that it was uh, you know, that made final fantasy the insanity that it was you're never going to be able to capture that lightning in the bottle because that was a very unique set of circumstances so I really like that your studio is focusing on just improving themselves, you know? For the time being, yeah. It's more important that we're good at making games than it is that we get lucky with a brand new title. Yeah, oh man. That's something like a friend of mine used to tell me all the time. Like, just improve yourself. Like, fail faster. Fail faster. Basically, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're not, and improve on what you're not, and like, keep doing what you're good at. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, our aim with what we're doing is stability. Because it's a partnership, something that me and my wife have created, together. We don't want to take a big risk. We don't want to be a, the phrase is a flash in the pan, right? Oh yeah, We don't yeah, want yeah, totally. that to happen. We want to build our strengths and our core skill. We want that to be very strong, you know, and stable and secure. So, you know, that's that's what we're doing. We're oh, trying man. to make that as strong as possible. For me, that's something I very much admire because everyone is trying to capture that like one blockbuster game and like they don't have that
that foresight that you're describing at this very moment. Okay, so it seems like something's picking up right now here at the Global Game Jam. So just to wrap things up, for everyone here at the Global Game Jam, do you have like a message you wanna tell them? Like anything for the participants or for anyone that loves games? Uh, I think when you're uh, starting out, when you're getting into it, just have fun with it and explore it. You know, I think that's, that's the key. Try and figure out what it is that you really like about it. Don't put too much pressure on yourselves, just have fun with it. Oh man, that's some advice I need to take. Like, I, I put way too much pressure on myself when it comes to a lot of things. And like, just hearing your words on that kind of stuff, like, makes me feel better a bit. <laughs> it's like, I'm making this about me again, and that's my fault. But yeah, I really like that. I really like that message that don't put too much pressure on yourself and just keep doing what you do. Okay, I really love our conversation so far. And is there anything you want to plug on the show? Like, maybe Buko Studios? maybe yourself like cyber tracks yeah i mean how would we be able to reach you in your work uh, you can check out our website i think in the future we hope to release more stuff and maybe you know start showing a bit more of our own personality if you like but i think it's, it's just it's coming you know we're we're just starting to get to the stage where we want to start showing ourselves off a bit more Okay, We're looking forward to that. So your website, where can they find you? Yeah, it's uh, www.buco-studios.com. Okay, so that's for our listeners out there, www.buco-studios.com. Is there anywhere else where we can reach your stuff, like find you? You can find it on Facebook, yeah. Okay, that's perfect. For all our listeners out there, we've been here at the Global Game Jam 2016 at Atenea de Manila. <laughs> ah, stop saying that. Okay, so we've had a lovely conversation with Mr. Kevin Bose. Thanks for having us. Okay. Thanks. Wrapping up. Um, Pleasure to meet you, man. Pleasure. It's been a wonderful time. Thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night. The wrap was a great, great And that's it for this week's episode, everyone. Just one more interview and I am officially out of stuff from the Global Game Jam. Good thing I'm heading out later to talk to even more awesome people. So, you know, actually I should be getting some rest right now, but let's get the usual ending stuff going, yeah? Follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Emil in the morning at night for announcements on when the next episode is coming out. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at at Emil Tang on Twitter. That's at E-M-I-L-E-T-A-N-G. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it over to Emil in the morning at gmail.com. I found this pretty cool video game cover band the other day. Check them out on YouTube if you people dig it too. Because winding down the episode for us will be Tetramino with Where's the Wall Chicken at? From OC Remix. Thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night.